I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Bring, bring it Welcome back to the EPL Roundtable. I'm your host, Kevin DeVries, and as always, if you'd like to reach us at the podcast, you can do so by either tweeting us at EPL Roundtable or emailing us at EPLRoundtable at gmail.com. I'm Dan, and I run the Twitter account Baggies underscore Facts. Um, we've been running that since 2012. Um, we used to have a website, um, currently don't, but that's uh, that's something that might change in the near future. Um, and I'll be talking everything West Brom. Hi everyone, I'm Jamie. I'm here to talk Burnley, and you can follow me on Twitter at Jamie Smith Sports. All right, thanks so much for joining me, you guys. Uh, first up, I figure we should probably talk about all these big signings that are coming to the Premier League. Obviously, Thiago and Bale, the, the highest profile ones this weekend in terms of talent. Obviously, Sergio Reguilon coming in as well. You have Diego Jota, who people seem to have wildly differing opinions on as a player uh, moving to Liverpool as well. And I just wanted to get your take on, on how much the Premier League as a whole benefits from signing big names and talents like those. Yeah, I think it is interesting. And I think it is good for the league. Um, I think it's it's maybe tempting to look at it as kind of a trend. Like There's a lot of big name players coming to the Premier League in a short space of time. And I think people will try and make it a thing. But I'm not sure it really is a thing. If you look at the deals in isolation, Bale's career has obviously hit the skids. The last two years, he's barely played any football. Hammers, you can say similarly, he's not really been wanted um, at Real Madrid or Bayern. So Everson's a bit of the last chance saloon for him. Thiago, I think, is the one that really stands out for me as a player who is still at the top of his game and had basically just won everything at Bayern. He's not left because he's passed it or because he's injury-prone or because Bayern didn't want him anymore. He's a player that Bayern wanted to keep, but Thiago wanted to come to Liverpool and try and win everything somewhere else. So, yeah, I'm not sure it is a trend, but I think it is exciting having this influx of new talent. Um, obviously, it's probably not going to be a normal Premier League season. We're probably facing the prospects of most of the, the games being played without full stadiums if there's any fans in at all. Um, so I think it does add an extra dimension having these these stars, and especially because some of them are going to clubs that aren't the real powerhouses. Bale obviously going back to Spurs. Spurs will be hoping he can take them back into the Champions League. Hamers at Everton is a sort of signing. They will hope that can push them on to challenging for the Champions League. So I think having these sort of global stars is... It's good for the Premier League. I'm not sure it does indicate, as some will probably argue, that it means that the Premier League's back on top. Um, top players coming from the Bundesliga to the Premier League is quite rare, isn't it? So you say like Timo Werner, Kai Havertz coming from the Bundesliga to Chelsea is maybe a sign of something. La Liga's had probably the best players in the world um, until the last few years, but obviously Ronaldo went to Serie A, now Bale's coming back to the Premier League. 
Messi would have probably come to the Premier League had um, Barcelona allowed him to go. So, yeah, I think it's it's good overall, but I'm not sure it's as much of a thing as, as some are probably going to make out. Yeah, I think it's obviously the Premier League is the most lucrative league in the world, and it's so players are always going to be attracted to the money that a, the team, even in the mid-table of, of the Premier League, that like, you know, you've got Leicester City who have signed some quality players. Uh, Kev's not going to mind me saying that Spurs, you know, being outside of the Champions League this year, them picking up the players that they've signed are like fantastic signings. So I think it is an indication purely of the fact that you get a you get a move to a Premier League and you're usually going to be top tier wages. Um, it's obviously the most competitive league in the world, really, in, in terms of Obviously, there's, there's more quality in La Liga, and we've probably spoke about this a lot before. But I think in terms of the product and, and the fact that the Premier League is such a money-driven business, they do try and sell it. It is almost as though, you know, it, it's it's a big showcase and we're pushing towards it being more and more like American sport. So, yeah, the, the Premier League is modelled on being the best in, in, in the world, I suppose, the, the whole the whole thing is being showcased through this whole, and especially with coronavirus at the minute, you know, we, we're having to see the matches being played behind closed doors, but they're, tr- they're still trying to add everything they can to make sure that the the, the product is still up there. Um, and that's a difficult thing for every league, a really challenging thing. So um, <clears throat> I think in terms of maybe Jota to Liverpool is a really big one. Um, James Rodriguez, I think he's probably... A, f- a fantastic signing. Um, maybe he does need to be like the 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 bigger fish in a in a like a smaller pond sort of situation, and I think he could really like flourish at Everton. Um, and Palace are a team that have really got some quality players on board. Eze was fantastic in the Championship last season, um, and Nathan Ferguson, who signed from mm-hmm. the Albion, as much as I've slated him in in like recent weeks and months because of the fact that, you know, he refused to sign a, a new deal at what is essentially now a Premier League club. And he's been at the club since he was a kid and he's he's gone to a team that's sort of on a similar sort of level, level as the Baggies. Um, that's a little bit frustrating, but I think Ferguson, I think if he gets that right back spot, you know, if he if he gets like a few games there, I think he'll probably keep it. And obviously Batshuayi for a club of, of Palace's side is fantastic, really. Um but I think that obviously the team with the most business is Chelsea, isn't it? And like, it's mad to see how much money they've actually spent. So obviously they're in the financial position to be able to do that. Um, but they've really done it quite well. I think that Silver's a, a fantastic signing because it saves having to spend so much money on a centre-back. And I think the quality that he adds is is is, is probably still, even now, probably one of the best centre-backs in the world. Um, Chilwell's a fantastic player and I think probably the other one to look out for them is probably Werner because he just scores goals for fun Yeah, you both made really good points there Jamie talking about Thiago and then uh, obviously Dan talking there about some of Chelsea's players, both Werner and Havertz both coming from the Bundesliga so it does does raise those uh, old cliche conversations about which is the biggest league and it certainly seems if if the stars of the Bundesliga continue to filter to the Premier League it's it's not as high up there amongst the challengers even though you could argue it's just as competitive top to bottom Um, yeah I I think it's really fascinating to see all these players back Uh, personally it's a delight that one of them has come to us obviously in Bale hopefully he can find some some resurgence to his career which obviously stalled there at Real Madrid but but for 
like Burnley fans or, or West Bromwich Albion fans, is there excitement that comes with it? Or are you just like, yeah, it's cool that I get to see them, but you know, it, it doesn't really matter as much as if you got one of those names. I think um, it, it would have been the case if, if fans were allowed in stadiums, yeah, it, it would probably be yeah. different. Um, but I'm not sure any of these players is really of the standard where I personally would be that excited about seeing them. If Messi had come to the Premier League, that would have been different. I'd have been absolutely thrilled to have the chance to watch Messi rip apart Burnley. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, Bale, Bale's been in the Premier League before. Like, we've seen him do it. Um, and he's probably the biggest name. James Rodriguez, Thiago, probably after that. But no, I'm judging the Premier League as a whole, and sure, it'll make some of the other matches more interesting. But as far as watching these players against my team, it doesn't really make that much of a difference to me. Yeah, to be honest, I think everything's been covered there. Like, I'm, I'm in agreement. I'm not that fussed who I see Albion play against. I'm not, I'm not there really to see the other team do well or, or to even, to, you know, to be staring at their best players and, and to be taking on board that what they're doing. It's all about the Albion for me. However, I think that changes obviously when you're watching the, the football on a weekend and, and it's not your team playing. It is good to see, you know, the Premier League being showcasing the best talent and. I think Bale being back in the Premier League, I mean, Kev might not like this, but I'm not sure that he's going to have quite the impact that Tottenham fans feel he might be able to have. I think it's going to be difficult. If if, if you think, considering where he's been mentally the last few years at, at Real Madrid, it really has been a, a struggle. He's he's had to fight for his position twice under Zidane when he came back and, and previously when he was manager before. And when you consider... You know, that he's a player that would believe in his abilities to do well for a club, even the size of Real Madrid. And he did do that for so many years. And then all of a sudden he's he's struggling and you can visibly quite see that the club, are, you know, they want him playing and performing on the pitch because he's an asset to the club and he's costing the club a lot of money every single week. Um, but when you, when you weigh that up against the fact that he wasn't really probably giving his all, he's coming back to international duty and then pretty much slagging Real Madrid off. Um, so he's been through quite a lot in recent years and it, I think it might take its toll when it comes to this season. Um, but Kev, you might have the, the opposite viewpoint. You, you might say that, you know, he's free from all of that and, and he might be uh, trying to push forward and, you know, say he's, he's probably his last three or four years now as a footballer um, doing well. But, you know, I think we see a lot of footballers get to that point <clears throat> where he's at now with, with Bale. Um it's probably not the same, but it's a similar sort of thing when of, of when Rooney went back to Everton when he after he'd been at Man United for a lot of his career. Obviously, Bale was at Real Madrid for a much shorter amount of time. Um, however, I, I'm not quite sure that it's going to be the the fantastic second spell that everybody's going to want it to be. Yeah, admittedly, even on the uh, update show that we did uh, when when the signing was just about to happen, I said he is not going to be our best player. I'm not expecting him to be our best player. I'm not expecting 2013 Bale. I just want him to influence around 10 matches this year that we would have drawn and he gets us a win. We would have lost. He gets us a draw. That's just just kind of kind of what I'm hoping for. But I'm sure there are plenty in the fan base that are expecting a lot more than that. Um, one of the names that we've all mentioned here was Hamas Rodriguez, obviously signed for Everton, scored at the weekend. Obviously, early days or doors, depending on how uh, you prefer to say it. Um, but Everton do look very good thus far. Already the win against Tottenham and then 
Uh, obviously, Dan, you got to see him a bit uh, up close this weekend. Just curious, your thoughts on, on them thus far. Have you been impressed? Like you say, it is early days slash early doors. So I think it's uh, maybe a bit hasty to get over excited about Everton. Um, obviously, two quite contrasting performances, though, which shows that they can win in different ways. Had to be quite gritty against Spurs and, and really controlled that game. And then, obviously, had far too much attacking quality for West Brom. Um, and with the game situation, it, it was probably tailor-made for Hammers to exploit all that space. So I think it is probably early to get carried away by Everton. I think as well, look, just the way the league shapes up makes it very difficult for them to be more than sort of the best of the rest. I think the gap between the so-called big six in inverted commas is just too big at the moment for someone like Everton to be able to breach, even though they've basically brought in a whole new midfield, haven't they, with Hamez, Decore and Allen, um, which is a big improvement on the sort of players they had in there before. I think it's just going to be too much, even sort of an Arsenal is still in transition, Spurs, we're not really sure what, what's going to happen with them, with, with Bale coming back. I think trying to catch up those teams is going to be difficult, but Everton certainly will. They're going to be one of the more interesting teams. Um, Calvert-Lewin is an interesting striker. I think he seems quite streaky. Um, like a lot of strikers, scores his goals in bundles, but then has periods like post-lockdown where I don't think he scored between football coming back and the end of the season. He might have got one or something. Um so a lot depends on his ability to keep scoring. And obviously the goalkeeper, I think, is going to be a problem for, for Everton because Jordan Pickford is crap. Um, I think, to be honest with you, Everton, are all they've always been a club that have always been like pushing for the top four um, on the fringes of it, fifth, sixth, seventh. Um, and I think the problem is because everybody seems to be having this little bit of an influx of cash and everybody's capable of signing the players that, that, that Everton have signed. Yeah, you will look at the, the players that they've got and the money that they've spent as maybe, you know, they're splashing the cash a little bit and they're, they're going for a, maybe a little bit of a higher quality player. However, um, I'm really not sure that they're going to be making a massive difference, especially when you consider you've, you've still got a lot of clubs, as much as I hate to say, you'll know, Kev, um, the Wolves, you know, they could have a fantastic season. Um, Sheffield United have still got the quality that got them so high in the Premier League last year. Um, you know, there's there's lots of teams that have improved immensely. And Leeds coming up, to be honest, I think Leeds could have a really great season. I think they'll definitely have a better season that we, you know, than the the, the Albion are going to have. Um, and so, you, you look at Manchester United, Manchester City, Liverpool, Tottenham, Everton. You know, you you start looking down further than that, and you've got still teams like, as I've said, the Wolves, um, and even you know, Newcastle could even have a good season with the players that they've signed, and so Everton, I reckon, will probably finish where they usually do. To be honest, I think maybe a sixth place, seventh place sort of finish. Yeah, Jamie, do you think that's about their ceiling this year, or, or do you think they could somehow squeak into that that top six this year? I think so. I mean, like I say, I think the gap is probably quite big. I think Dan makes a good point about the teams that are around them as well. You've got Wolves have finished seventh two years in a row, I think. So I don't think there's any reason to suggest they're going to be significantly worse. Um, Leicester as well, another team that could well finish above them. So I think it's challenging for them to get in the top sort of seven or eight, let alone even six. 
Um, but the Carl Ancelotti factor is big, isn't it? I mean, this is an elite manager who's won more Champions Leagues than anyone else with three. No one else has won more than three. So it's clearly elite. And I think he's got something to prove having not done so well at his last two clubs at Napoli and Bayern. They both sacked him after fairly short periods, didn't they? So um, I think it's set up for Everton in the future with the new stadium that they're trying to build. Um, I'm not sure how quickly that's progressing. I think there's been some opposition locally that's maybe put it back a bit. Um, but they've got rich enough owners, the new stadium on the way, top-class manager. In the future, I think we could see Everton pushing for top four, but I think this season's going to be a bit too early. It would be good to have the second club on Merseyside, much much similar to like Man City when they managed to have the influx of their cash. It would be good to see Everton and Liverpool you know, have, having a real battle on the field um, because you do have to feel for Everton fans, especially at the minute with with the success that Liverpool are having. It, it must be like tough times and, you know, they've got a lot to be proud of themselves and they're a club in their own right, of, of course. I don't mean any at all disrespect to Everton, but, you know, it, it would be good to see two top, top teams competing in Liverpool and I suppose... Um, Another bit of extra competition for Liverpool is never going to be a, a problem for me, to be honest. So, Yeah, we'll definitely see. I mean, they have a really good manager. They've invested loads of money. They have lots of really talented players. If it was going to happen, it feels like it would be this year. But will it ever happen, I guess, is really the, the larger question. But I've certainly been impressed with them uh, in these early stages. And we'll see if they can keep it up. And, and Jamie, I think you make a great point about Calvert-Lewin, who has been very streaky uh, in the early stages of his career. And I think... Uh, if he can break that, that could be their chance to push forward. But if not, they might be stuck in that, you know, outside the top six, like we're all kind of referencing. Um, we'll finish up with a different club, a uh, different story to their start of the season in Manchester United. Obviously, their first match of the year, um, and they end up losing to Crystal Palace. Uh, the media narrative immediately following it was that, of course this happened. Manchester United haven't bought players, but obviously they've bought loads of players for a lot of money over past windows. Do you agree with, with them needing to invest more in order to find success? Or do you think at a certain point the responsibility for that needs to be driven by the manager? I think it is a bit of both. Um, I think you're right that it is sort of media-driven. Um, but that seems to be the way now, isn't it? Just buying players is always the answer. No one ever says well, they should coach the players to become better players. That would be a good solution, um, which is, of course, what, what good teams that are well-run do. Um, but that hasn't been the case at Man United since Ferguson left, really. Um, I think that there is an argument for more players being needed there. I think you can't watch the way they defended against Palace and think that that defence is cut out for a title challenge. They're just sort of miles away. Um, I've got my doubts over Harry Maguire, let alone... His partner, I think Lindelof Lindelof doesn't really seem up to it to me. Um, Depth is an issue as well. I think United's first 11, if everyone's fitting on form, it's probably as good as anyone in the league, maybe. Um, But beyond that, I think you saw the end of last season, didn't you? Solskjaer seemed really reluctant to make substitutions. You looked at the players he had on the bench, it was no surprise you're looking at McTominay or Dan James or whoever, it's just a big drop-off from whoever they've got in the team. Um, and if you're talking about someone like Jaden Sancho, then yes, absolutely, they should try and sign Jaden Sancho. He's absolutely brilliant, and he would certainly improve their options. But is it going to be the the magic bullet that, that solves all their problems? I'm not sure it is. 
Um, for me, I think there's still a lot of questions about Solskjaer as a manager. Um, there's no doubt that Definitely. United getting where United finished last season was a big success and a, a tick in the box for him. But they did seem to be carried quite a lot by Bruno Fernandes in the second half of the season. He, he had such a massive impact for them. So on that ground, you could say Fernandes made a big difference. So if they could add a couple more players of that class, then that would make a difference. But you can say that about any team, surely. If you add in top quality, world-class talent, then they're going to get better. Um, I think the point I would make on Solskjaer, and it's going back to what I said at the start, is improving players. How many players at Man United has Solskjaer improved? I'd say mm. Anthony Martial has got better mm. in the last year to 18 months. Who else? Mason Greenwood has obviously come out of nowhere, but he looks like the sort of singular generation but then but then you have to weigh up as well how many players have struggled um on, underneath Olegan Solskjaer you know you look at the situation they've got with the goalkeeper at the minute De, De Gea yeah. should not be playing Henderson's a better goalkeeper at the minute so he shouldn't be playing he's not willing to make that decision Pogba lots of issues with his contract and then he's still playing week in week out and not performing as well but still being picked and then Harry Maguire he's not a captain he's not a captain of any football club for me um, especially not one the, the size and, and, and with as much power as Manchester United. Um, you know, he, he's a solid centre-back, but he's someone they overpaid on and he's someone that really, you know, if, if you want England to be doing well, you wouldn't want him in the England squad for me. So he's not a, at that level and he's going to be one of those players that United have had over the years that does end up moving to like an Everton or a West Ham or a Sunderland like we've, we've seen in previous years when... Um, Sunderland seem to sign all of Man United's cast-offs. I think that he'll end up being one of those kind of players. But they've got they've got plenty of talent. Um, but I agree that they've they've not really got much strength in depth. And if if any club needed a bit of a clear out and to to freshen things up, it would have been Man United this summer. You know, Matter's getting old now. He, he's getting on. He he's not the same player he once was. Um, he, he doesn't seem to think as quickly when he's on the ball. Um, I mean, Romero's been at a club as a backup goalkeeper for such a long time. You know, surely he wants to move on. Now Henderson's, you know, are in the frame. I think they could have got rid of a, a few of the players and, and, you know, got a fair amount of income. To be honest with you, you know, if Paul Pogba wasn't the icon that he is and he'd been playing like he had been last season, he'd probably have been first out the door at times, you know. So I think United could have had a clear out and done things very differently this summer. But obviously, Solskjaer's got a lot of trust in the squad and it could be one where it's misplaced and they could really struggle at times this season with the amount of teams that have signed so much talent. Um, so I would definitely be in, in the camp for United needing many more players than, than Van Der Beek. Um, Just to who jump did. back in, I think you yeah. had a really good point on Pogba there. There was a lot of talk earlier in the summer, wasn't there, that... Um, he might go back to Juventus, but the whole coronavirus thing basically meant Juve couldn't afford to do that sort of deal now. Yeah. It's almost like United have been waiting for Pogba to go so that they can have this sort of squad renewal. They need yeah. that big sale mm. so they can then invest across the squad. Yeah, I, I, I think De, De Gea and Pogba could, could both have seen the exit and, and maybe, you know, that would have been potentially, you know, 120, 130 million plus in income. that They could have, you know, got maybe four or five very quality, you know, talented players from across Europe um, to, to refresh the squad a little bit. Whereas, 
you know, Van der Beek's a, a very good option to have, but I don't think he's going to be solving Manchester United's problems as a whole. And and like I say, I, I'm shocked that they've not got more signings over the line just yet. And I'm shocked that some of the players that they've still got on the books are, are still there um, and are still playing first-team football. I mean, there was this big issue with Bay, weren't there? He, he wasn't playing for such a long time and he seems to have come back this season refreshed and ready to play. But there's there's plenty of, of players in that United team when you're looking at the squad that just aren't quite on a Man United level. You know, we, if you're going to be comparing Man United to Liverpool and that's where they want to be at, the, the two squads are incomparable. You, In fact, you'd probably struggle to name two or three United players to put into that Liverpool team. Yeah, they certainly aren't up there in terms of the the uh, squad talent, but it's it's certainly not for lack of purchasing. I mean, the Harry Maguire purchase continues to look uh, not so great. Lindelof has been in the league, what, four or five years now and is still making some pretty simple mistakes. I, I, I totally get where you're going with Jamie of like, it, shouldn't he have started to improve more of these players by now? I, and I agree with you, Dan, as well. This is probably like a let's get to the next chapter. I'm just not sure that Solskjaer is who they should have in charge of it. I said in the offseason that I was fairly confident that Tottenham could get a Champions League spot this year. And it's not because of we're, we're particularly great or anything. Obviously, we've struggled. But if you look at Chelsea and, and Lampard, all these fresh signings, all of them are young signings. None of them Premier League experience. You look at United, where, you know, they get these hot and cold runs. But under Solskjaer, I, I don't think I or many people have, have been convinced. And it just feels like there are a lot of question marks outside of the likes of of City and Liverpool, and uh, you could even have questions up there, especially with like Aguero being out for two months. But yeah, on the whole, I think Manchester United probably need to bring in a couple more players. But I think a good manager could turn it around. Today's probably not the day to bring this up, but like Hasenhutl took Southampton from being relegation targets every year to to starting to look a lot better. Um, some, I mean, I'm not saying that United should sign Hasenhutl, but they, they should probably find somebody that can not only grow the players that they have, but maybe bring in the the elite level players that they've been sniffing around but missing out on. Because they were linked to both Bale and Regulon before we got them. They were obviously linked to Sancho and didn't come up with the money before the deadline that uh, the deadline that Borussia Dortmund had implemented. So it just feels like they 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 need more. Maybe it is on the pitch. Maybe it's more in the manager's chair. But but for me, I I. It's one match, obviously, but I'm just not sure it's it's going to be enough to get them to the top four again this season. Yeah. Just to make one more point before we move on, I think um, the Maguire deal is a big problem for United, not just because, like Dan says, he's not captain material for a club of that size, but that they paid so much money for Harry Maguire. It just makes any club that United go to for a player go, right, well, we can ask for an absolute fortune and they'll pay it. So Dortmund with Sancho made it very clear that it was going to cost this much and you had to buy him before this date. And United messed around with these bids that were never, ever going to get the player. Wasting time meant that they couldn't get Bale as a backup option because Bale didn't want to be a backup option. So it left them hamstrung. I, Gary Neville was on TV over the weekend complaining about United not doing transfers, but they don't appear to have the the know-how and the expertise in the back office. Ed Woodward doesn't seem to be good enough as a chief executive for that level. These deals are really hard to do for elite players like Sancho. And that they've shown the hand and that they're willing to overpay for players makes other clubs just want even more money. So I think it's a real challenge for United to try and get these transfers in now. And I think you're right. I'm not sure Solskjaer has 
as a as a long term solution is really going to work out there. Just a real quick yes or no, Jamie. Do you think United make top four this year? Um, yes, but for me, that's more that I don't think Arsenal and Spurs are going to catch them up. Dan, um, I think that Spurs will have a very good season, and I'm going to say they miss out and finish fifth. Yeah, and I'm saying I'm saying no as well. This is one weekend. United fans that are listening, don't unsubscribe or yell at us too much. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll see how the season goes. But as, as for now, I'm I'm not particularly impressed. All right, we will take a quick break now, and then we'll be back with club-specific questions for each of our guests. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right, and we are back. Jamie, we'll start with you. Obviously, played today. Uh, started well, maybe didn't finish as well for you. But the big problem, again, is obviously you pick up a big injury. Robbie Brady, again, I, I'm sure that the fans are very tired of all of these injuries. A- at any point, has the fan discourse shifted to maybe the club are operating something poorly when it comes to the medical department? Or is this just bad luck in buying injury-prone players? I don't think there's any blame on the medical department, no. I think there's an acceptance that, as a club, Burnley are probably going to buy players that have faults, and those faults will sometimes be that they're injury-prone. Um, So Robbie Brady has had horrible luck with injuries since we signed him, but if Brady never got injured, he would probably have gone to a bigger club than Burnley in the first place. Um, Someone like Johan Goodmanson, who I know you're a fan of as well, um, cost almost nothing, but has had even worse luck with injuries than Brady. If he was constantly fit, Goodmanson for me is a top six player, absolutely no doubt, but he just can't stay fit. Um, So I'm not sure it is a medical department thing. Um, I suppose it could be. But Dash has always been quite cautious with bringing players back from injury. He likes to give players as much time as possible. Um, sometimes too much time for me in that inferior players are playing, even though these players are, are back on the bench. So I think it is just a bit of bad luck. I think the one point I would maybe say on the medical front is that it does seem to take a lot of time for us to get players back fit. And I don't know how much of that is caution and how much that is medical staff I think this season has been particularly difficult because of lockdown if players haven't been able to spend as much time around the club um, things like rehab and just working with the physios has probably been affected a lot more than usual so player like Ashley Barnes who's been out all year all calendar year we would ordinarily have probably expected him to be ready for the start of the season but obviously truncated pre-season not a lot of pre-season games he hasn't had a chance to play pre-season games so he's still not ready um, ben, me and Jack Cork as well were injured at the back end of last season 
we would have been hopeful that they'd have been ready for this season, but it's not been the case. So we started without them as well. Um, but I think it's just kind of inevitable that when you run with such a small squad and we lost those players at the end of the contracts at the end of last season, didn't replace them. I think it's just inevitable that you sort of tempting face a little bit and relying on players staying fit, and they just don't. I mean, the Goodmanson one in midweek in the cup was just ridiculous. He's injury prone, but the guy's just gone through him, and it's a dangerous tackle. It should have been a red card. The referee didn't even give a foul. It was utterly ridiculous, and you could see straight away that the guy was really hurt. Um, so that's just bad luck. Um, Goodmanson being injury prone isn't why he got injured. He got injured because the defender cleared him out and should have been mm. sent off. Um, Brady today is maybe a case of him being injury prone because it didn't seem to happen out of anything. He just got injured and went off. So it's very frustrating. I think we've got 17 outfield players, which is already not enough. And now six of them are injured. So pretty much if you're fit, you're going to play in the midweek in the cup. And most teams would probably like to rotate for the cup and not risk injury. So we're in a position where we're going to have to be full strength because it's all the plays we have for the Millwall game in midweek. And if players get injured, then they'll miss the game at the weekend and we're going to have to play kids. So it's difficult. I don't think there are frustrations at the medical department. It's certainly at the recruitment department, which has completely failed yet again. Yeah, that's an excellent point. One of the reasons the injuries are so impactful for you is because of how thin your squad is. I, I assume that you're wanting to fix that, but kind of like Wolves last offseason, it sounds like you're more busy trying to stave off outgoings than you are searching for incomings. That does seem to be the case, yeah. So James Tarkovsky didn't play today. Um, didn't play in midweek either. Apparently he's got a toe injury, um, whether it's actually an injury. Or an or... air quotes toe injury. Yeah, exactly. It's difficult to know because um, ordinarily I think Tarkovsky's the sort of player who would play with an injury all the time. He certainly had an injury for much of last season and just played through it. Um, so whether he said that he doesn't want to play or we don't want to risk him getting more hurt, um, I don't know. It's a strange one though, Tarkovsky, because it's all the talk is West Ham and there's not many people who would argue West Ham's much of a step up from Burnley. He did a big interview in one of the papers saying that he wants to play in the Champions League. Um, last time I checked, West Ham not in the Champions League, not likely to be in the Champions League anytime soon. So, yeah, it's a, it's a funny one for me with Tarkovsky. Um, I certainly wouldn't be grudging moving on to a, a top club. I think he's been good enough over the last two seasons to do that. But if you went to somewhere like West Ham, I think that would be extremely annoying. Um and we've left ourselves in a situation at centre-back in particular where we just don't have players. So today we had Kevin Long playing with Jimmy Dunn at the back. Kev Long has always done OK as sort of emergency backup for us and Dunn was making his Premier League debut. So the difference between um, the regular partnership of me and Tarkovsky that's been so strong for all the years that we've had them together, the drop-off in the, the quality there is is just a bit ridiculous. So... Um, hopefully Tarkovsky is injured rather than waiting to get sold because I, I think that could be like a final straw for a lot of fans. If you have a summer where you don't sign anyone and then sell one of your top three best players, um, I think that's going to be really difficult for fans to accept. Yeah, it obviously looks like you'll have another big job on your hands, uh, especially for Dice trying to get through all of this again. I know you don't typically 
focus on the Cubs, but you said you're going to have to play your first team players in it anyway. Do you think that could lead to, to a shift in that? Or do you think you've already recognized that with fixture congestion and such a thin squad that it's not really something that you can do at this time? Well, um, we've got Man City in the next round if we get through. So <laughs> maybe no it doesn't matter what you want. <laughs> cup, um, yeah, exactly. I, I understand why they're doing it, but this drawing the next round before the previous round has been played, it sort of works against us because normally you go, oh, we've got Millwall, this is a chance to get into the fourth round, but now it's, oh, we've got Millwall, and if we win that, then we all used to City in the next round. So it's like, what's the point winning this game? <laughs> it's going to make absolutely no difference. Um and I actually quite like how they've changed the format and it's going to be like midweek, 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 cram it all in um, to the start of the season. And ordinarily you'd say, yeah, it's a chance to have a look at some squad players, but at the moment we don't have any squad players because they're all in the team. It's <laughs> all the players that we have. Um, so, yeah, at the minute it's just a case of trying to get through games unscathed with not getting more injuries. But so far we've had two games and lost two players to injury, so it's not going very well at the minute. Well, good luck with that, and I hope you're able to bring some players in. Uh, Dan, maybe the mood won't be improving too much as we come to you uh, talking about your match yesterday. Started well again. That's two weeks in a row. We talked about it a little bit before the show, that that you come out and looked bright, and then for differing circumstances, things get a little bit worse. What what have you made of your first couple of matches back up in the Premier League, though? Uh, it's It's been a difficult start. Um, I think our fixture list wasn't really massively kind to us. Um, trying to, we're basically starting the season with the same squad that we finished with last season. We might well have signed Pereira and Dean Garner, um, and we might well have recently added to those signings. With you know, we signed Callum Robinson um, and Ivanovic and Conor Gallagher the last few uh, last few weeks and last few days. But it's pretty much the same team. Um, and it's it's almost like that step up is being massively noticed. I think at the moment, Everton really did finish us off yesterday. I know I wasn't massively complimentary about them earlier, but they've obviously got a, a fantastic team with, you know, Premier League throughout, you know, sort of quality. Um, and I think at the moment that we're maybe missing that little bit of depth that we're going to require throughout the season. Um, and there's fans panicking, I think, at the moment that we're not going to be able to get those signings over the line. And and then you, you've got the discomfort that Slavin Bilic might be unhappy um, and no Baggies fan wants a, a different manager in charge. Um, and at the moment, because of the situation in terms of the, the chief exec um, now being... Um, our, our situation was our chief exec left, who'd got us, who'd been with the club and, and helped us get promoted. Um, really experienced guy, been at the club before, um, and he's been replaced um, by a Chinese counterpart who's he's in his early thirties. This is his first job role in, in this kind at all, um, and so I think that Baggies fans are a little worried that he and and our chairman might make some rash decisions, and we certainly don't want that. Um, and I think that, you know, Baggies fans really do need to try and get behind Bilic because if we do fail this season, I don't personally feel that it'll be at the fault of Slavin Bilic. It'll probably be at the fault of, of the lack of backing that he's received. Um, a, a transfer budget of £30 million and we're spending, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, depending on, on where you get your news from, um, on Grady Diangana, who was essentially a lone player at our club last season. 
it doesn't really feel like a, a brand new signing as such, as much as we're all chuffed that we've managed to sign him. So a large chunk of that budget has gone on one player. Um, and so we do need strikers in. We do need probably a left back in. We do need a right back in. Um, we probably need an extra midfielder and we could probably do with an extra winger as well. So, you know, if, if those are the positions that need filling and we're now, you know, counting down the days to, towards the transfer window closing and we've already signed six players, we, we're looking at maybe needing four or five more players to to really, really, really compete in this league and to be pushing maybe towards mid-table. Um but I think with the current squad and, the, and maybe the current setup that we've got, I think we're going to do well to stay in the Premier League this season. Yeah, you mentioned uh, not bringing in potentially enough players and how well the, the new chairman might be performing. But you did get those two super talented players back. They both score at the weekend in Grady Diangana and uh, Mateus Pereira. I assume that they aren't enough to keep you up this year. But just how good are they for people that haven't seen you play yet this season or, or last? Well, Dan Garner, um, he scored in his debut for us last season away at Luton. Um, and I think, you know, being a, a fan of a club, Albion sort of size, you sort of expect, you know, you expect that lone players will come in and they'll do OK and they might score a couple here and there. And and you always wonder what the reason is for them being released from the club that they're, they're you know, their parent club. And so you don't always expect so much but last season in, in signing Grady Diangana and, and Mateus Pereira we got two players that just it appeared that you know all they needed was a move of club and, and they've both shone in, in baggy shirts um, Diangana previously of West Ham um, came up through their youth structure um, he wasn't given probably the opportunity that he wanted and, and so came out on loan to the Albion there was some issues behind the scenes with with the transfer and how it came about from West Ham, not in terms of Dean Garner having a problem with West Ham United, but I think that a lot of the senior players at West Ham United really didn't want Dean Garner to be to be leaving their club, and and that that maybe was a a catalyst of West Ham maybe you know not being on the same level and them admitting that they're not on the same level as many other London clubs and and clubs around them in the league in terms of competing and. They're not at all happy with uh, with Gold and Sullivan at the moment. So, yeah, that's I mean that's another story. But you know, in terms of how good they were last season, it's it's just undoubtedly without those two players, we wouldn't have got promoted. Um, Dan Garner, Dan, Dan Garner rather scored I think nine times um, for Baggies last season, and and Pereira I think his assist total was like sixteen come the end of the season, which is unreal in any league, and you know. In any situation, that's a fantastic return. Um, but these stats, if, if they only mean something, you know, to, to opposition fans when when you know they're analysing the club or whatever, and they might see that they performed so well last season. But to actually see them in person last season, both of them really shone. There were times we were just picking teams apart for absolute fun. Um, Dean Garner, ridiculous footwork. There'd be times where there'd be four or five op- opposing players in in and around the surrounding area of Pereira, and he just managed to wriggle free and and find space and pick a pass or get a shot off. And it was just a pleasure to see him play. And it's, it, I'm just hoping because I I de- definitely those two players are good enough to to do well for the Albion in the Premier League. Um, but I'm just hoping that 
we get players who are able to to keep them competing at the level that's going to be required. So players around them that have been there and done that maybe. And and I think that's where the, the sign Ivanovic comes in. Um because he's he's been at Zenit St Petersburg playing at probably the you know one of the biggest and most prestigious clubs in Russia. Um and so it's not as if we're probably signing a player that's you know towards the end of his career and he's looking for a, a bit of an extra payment and and he's not really going to give his all. I think he's the kind of player we need. A player that's won Premier League titles, a player that is an old head. Um, the kind of replacement we need for Chris Brunt, who's just left the club. Someone that will be a role model for the younger players. And with him playing at centre-back, he doesn't need to be a pacey player. And he never really had that much pace. You know, he's, he's a critical thinker. He's he's the kind of player that analyses situations on the pitch and is able to nub them out before they even become a thing. You know, he's a really talented footballer and a, and a player that I'm chuffed that the Baggies have, made, have been able to sign despite some pointing towards his age as a, a bit of a negative. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've you know, we've we've got the players to compete. We'll do OK. Um, you know, we'll beat teams with the team that we've currently got. But if we really want to be certain of another league, uh, another year of Premier League football, I think we do need to bring in some additions and, and do it sharpish, to be honest. Yeah, do you think you would target the defense there? Obviously, you've conceded the most amount of goals since the start of the season. Do you think that that is where there are some talent issues, or do you think that's just getting used to the the power and speed of the Premier League? Uh, I think that you're probably right. Ajayi is a very athletic player. Young player was at Rotherham previously. Um, he was at the Albion in the Championship for one season before again making the step up to Premier League. But I do think he's good enough. Um, and we've got Hagazi, but there seems to be a, a bit of an issue. Maybe he's on his way out the door. He's, he's not featured for us in our in our opening matches. Um, with Dara Roche being preferred, and I don't think anyone can argue with that. The 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 one that Hagazi maybe could be replacing would be Kyle Bartley, who you could argue is a bit clumbersome and a bit slow and error prone at this at, at this kind of level, maybe. Um, so, yeah, we we probably could do with maybe another right back with Ivanovic coming in at centre back, um, because Dara O'Shea played a, a lot of games at right back, and and um, we've got Furlong playing in that position. I'm not sure that he's the kind of player we need when we're facing the big sides. Um, we we do want a right back that's going to be strong and willing to to fight, and I think Furlong's more of an attacking player. And as much as you know, I'm I'm not criticising. I'm not criticising Furlong's ability and I think he'll do do well for us in the Premier League when picked. I think that obviously it is a horses for, for courses sort of thing in the Premier League for a club of our size. And I think we need a right back that's going to be able to basically defend. Um, so, yeah, we have got weaknesses, Kev. You know, we've we've got positions that we've got players in, but are they the correct players and are they going to be strong enough as the season progresses, I think is is the dilemma gotcha well hopefully things turn around for you there uh obviously very much have enjoyed my time at the hawthorns uh with you there and uh <laughs> i would like to see the happy days return for you maybe fans will even get to see it at some point all right uh we will move into player watch now i'm just curious uh who at your club has played maybe less of a role in the early stages of the season than you thought yeah well, this is a tricky one for me because like i say we all our players are players you have 
10 fit players. There right? are no other players. Um, <laughs> yeah, so this this, this is tricky. Um, I, <laughs> I don't really have an answer. Um, Eric Peters is probably the only senior player he's, he's not been involved as much, but I'm pretty sure he's come on quite early in both games. And he's very much back at left back who just fills in wherever we need a player. Um, and if Brady's going to be injured, Goodmanson's going to be injured, chances are he's going to end up playing on the right wing again, which it just shows where we're at that our right winger is going to be a backup left back playing out of position. Um, everyone else, I think, has, has got decent minutes already. Um, I was probably a bit surprised that Bailey Peacock Farrell didn't play the cup game. Um, Everyone expects him to be number two this season, and that seems to be the case after Joe Hart left um, to go on Spurs bench instead. Uh, but I think the argument was that Nick Pope had been away with England and then not played, so he probably needed a game. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens in the, the Cup game this week, whether it'll be Pope again, and that might be wise because he's playing with a, an entirely new central defensive partnership, assuming Tarkovsky's not going to be ready. So it might make sense to give that unit another game. Or whether Dash decides to go with Peacock Farrell. I think it's a bit of a shame that we paid decent money for Bailey Peacock Farrell, and he's an international goalkeeper. He seems to impress every time he plays for Northern Ireland, and we've not really seen him yet. Uh, I don't think anyone expects him to be ready to take over from Nick Pope anytime soon, but you have a number two goalkeeper so that if you need to rely on them, they need to be good enough. And at the moment, we've just got absolutely no idea whether or not he is because I think I'm right in saying he hasn't played a game for us yet. Gotcha. Well, obviously put you behind the eight ball with that question, but I think you handled <laughs> it brilliantly. Dan, coming to you now. Yeah, I would I would probably want to talk about goalkeepers again. Um, Sam Johnston... He's our number one goalkeeper. He was for the whole of last season. Um, but Button came in. Our new signing, uh, David Button, who came from Brighton. He was their sub-goalkeeper. Um, he came in and he, he put in a confident enough performance in, in the League Cup against Harrogate. Um, it was it was assured enough he didn't do anything wrong, but it was so refreshing to see a goalkeeper come off his line and claim across. It was It was just really nice to see. And that, I mean, no malice or nastiness at all towards to, towards Johnston, but I just don't think he's up to the task of being a Premier League goalkeeper myself. Um, and so it was refreshing that if if it doesn't work for Johnston, and I think Bilic will persist with him, but we've got someone, um, we've got someone that might well be capable of, of stepping into his shoes. And and so the player that I think that might have featured might have been Button at Everton. Um, I was hoping that. Billich might have made a brave decision with it. Um, and I'm not saying Billich isn't brave and doesn't make brave decisions, but it was just one, I suppose, that I wanted to see personally. And I think there's probably a calling from quite a few Baggies fans um, that think very similar to me in that, in that Johnston's a very good shot stopper. Um, he's also, he's, his reactions are absolutely fine. Um, and in terms of collecting things close to the goal, he, he doesn't really seem to have an issue, but He's he's typically a goalkeeper that anything that's on the edge or in and around the six-yard box, it becomes a real issue. It becomes like, is he going to come or is he not going to come? Um, and you'll often end up in situations where the defenders get in a, in a bit of a pickle themselves and end up making a mistake or he's not spoke properly or he's made a late call. 
and you, you see it happening and sometimes you get punished and in the Premier League you get punished on a on a much you know larger scale so um, I have literally gone into a rant about our goalkeeper Kev I do apologise <laughs> that's right you play in goal yourself though right so it's coming from a place of love. yeah I mean that doesn't that doesn't give me the, a massive qualification of being able to talk about it so confidently but but yeah, I think I know what I'm talking about a little bit when it comes to goalkeepers. Yeah, yeah for for sure. You also called the uh, Larice error coming uh, during the the World Cup final. So uh, good on you on both counts. Uh, we'll finish up by doing some match previews. Uh, we'll start off with you, Dan. Obviously, you're going to be hosting Brentford. It should be interesting since obviously they're the team that you beat out uh, for your place in the Premier League this season. What are you expecting in that one? It's going to be interesting because. I mean, we spoke on the on the um, season preview podcast previously to this one um, about Brentford and and the fact that they slipped up um, the last two games, but they had such a great run and and brought themselves back into contention. And everybody seemingly, was, you know, all the neutrals were seemingly behind Brentford and wanting them to do well. Um, so it'd be interesting to see, you know, another battle again. Um, between two teams that, that fought so fiercely towards the end of uh, last season to try and get promotion. Um, I do think it's going to be a tough game, depending on the side that Brentford put out. Um, I can't see an Albion second-string 11 beating a near-Brentford first-string 11. So it might well be that that more first-team players do, do get um, given an opportunity, but... Um, it will be good to see Button again in goal. Um, I'm sure he'll start that game. Um, and I wonder whether O'Shea will play his his uh, fourth consecutive game. He's the only player that's played in all three of Albion, Albion's games so far. Um, and he's probably one of the most inexperienced players in terms of minutes on a football pitch. Um, but it's fantastic to to see him doing so well. And he's, he's such a humble guy. Um, and he, he's a player to watch out for, for Kev. Um, so if you're going to tune in and uh, and and follow Albion and and have a look at Daroche, he's, he's a defender that's worth keeping an eye on. Um, he's he's really solid at the back and he's got a fantastic touch and he's he can even whip in a great cross playing from right back. So yeah, check him out. I'm sure everyone listening will do. And then Jamie will wrap up with you. Uh, you're going to be traveling to the den to face Millwall. What do you think we'll see in that, aside from the exact same fit players that you've mentioned already? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like I say, I think ordinarily you'd look at this as a nice winnable cup tie, considering how little luck we've had in cup matches since Dash took charge, really, it would be quite exciting. But the fact that we know that it's Man City in the next round sort of takes the excitement levels away because we seem to play Man City in the Cup every year and lose every year. So, yeah, um, difficult to get too excited about this one. Um, I would like to see some of the younger players get a go. Obviously, there's, there's not much in the way of rotation possible looking at senior players, but Josh Benson came off the bench against... Um, Whoever we beat in the last round, I've forgotten already. Um, it was a Premier League team. Sheffield United, we beat Sheffield United on penalties. Uh, so maybe Benton could start in midfield, have a proper look at him. Um, apart from that, it's just going to be try not to get injured and try not to concede another four goals <laughs> two games into the season. It's already <laughs> feeling like it could be quite a long one. Um, and you never know, maybe there'll be a, a new face or two. Um, if we make a signing, but I won't be holding my breath for that to happen. 
Yeah, seems to be wise with the Burnley's transfer strategy. But once again, uh, good luck with that. (laughs) But we will wrap things up there. Uh, If you guys would like to tell folks where they can find you or anything you're working on, now would be a good time. Yeah, so I I do some betting tips at the moment. So if you um, want to gamble responsibly and all that, feel free to see what I'm tipping on my Twitter, which is at Jamie Smith Sport. And if you want to check out Baggies Facts, which is Baggies underscore facts on Twitter, um, feel free to do so. Like to interact with fans of you know any any other side that we're we're against, whether it be in the in the league or in the cup. So um, feel free to follow me, whether you're an Albion fan or not. Cheers for having me on, Kev. Thanks. Yeah, an absolute pleasure having you both on. I'm Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevrov. You can find the show at EPL Roundtable, and of course through Acast and iTunes and Spotify and. All of those other places the podcasts can be found. Uh, thanks again for joining me today, guys. It was a pleasure as always. And folks at home, we hope you keep listening. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.